Thank you for downloading this podcast of this week's Talk Politics on Talk Radio. Uh, I am joined this week by Dr Lee Jones uh, from The Full Brexit and The Daily Express's Sam Lister. We speak to Crispin Blunt, who's outraged about the civil service. Dr Lee Jones and Sam Lister share their thoughts on the civil service. And also, Dr Lee Jones talks to us about the coronavirus as he's written a book about such things such as uh, threats that know no borders and the coronavirus qualifies as one of those. Enjoy the podcast and thank you for downloading. And I don't want to fight the the arguments of the referendum again uh, because we're out and, you know, we all have to get with it and make the best of it. But 50,000 extra customs officers, that's going to cost, I think, in the region about 200 extra million declarations a year. That's going to cost businesses money, Lee, isn't it? Because there's extra forms that you're going to have to fill in. Someone has to be paid to look through them. That's an extra cost. Mm. Where do we get that money back from? Where are the benefits that we're going to... You say you don't want to rerun the referendum debate, but that (laughs) was what the referendum debate ultimately came down to. It was a question of sovereignty versus Mm. economic costs. And... Those are the you know, the people that valued sovereignty, taking back control mm. in the in the slogan of the campaign, voted to leave. The people that were primarily scared about the negative impact on the economy voted to remain, and that's what you know polls about why people voted the way they did showed that that was the basic divide. And now we have a government in power that, as I said, leading figures were on the leave side. They value mm. sovereignty, um, and so do the people that voted them in and gave them a very large majority. And so that is now their starting point. Their starting point is we want want policy autonomy back. We want to be able to decide our own rules, our own regulations, and we accept that there will be certain costs in terms of added trade friction. Do do you think, though, that, I mean, sovereignty, I can't... I can't touch that. I can't feel it. I can't put it in my fridge. I okay, can't touch spend democracy because democ- uh, sovereignty is the flip side of democracy. Yeah, okay, no, so, no, but, so but, but, can but, I just can I just tease that point out because these these are words that get thrown around a lot. Yeah. And I don't think we necessarily understand them. So absolutely to to have democracy, you also need sovereignty because so- sovereignty mm. means that a country has no higher power or authority above it. So it means that if you elect a government, sure, it can but, pass a law and it can't be overruled see, from uh, any higher authority. But you see, the problem now is that you and I are going to get stuck talking about this because actually there is no... Absolute sovereignty doesn't exist. No, 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 if you no, want to be part on. of any club, hang on. you're going to have to abide by some rules. Hang on. So your sovereignty gets thrown down the drain immediately. Not necessarily because there's a difference between... Sovereign autonomy, which is an mm. ability for a democracy to make its own rules, sure. and sovereign control, which would mean which would mean total control know, over but, everything. But what, and no... in, but what I'm more interested in is is like there's a one and a half billion cost to those extra fifty thousand customs officers. That a, a medium, small, medium sized company is going to have hundreds of more forms to fill at cost. It's all very well. They, people may be very happy with their sovereignty, but are they going to be happy paying more to run their businesses? Are they going to be happy waiting more to get their stuff from country to country? Do you think sovereignty, something that they can talk about, feel very good about, but can't touch or spend, is going to outbalance the cost that this will incur to UK businesses and UK consumers? So the point about sovereignty and democracy is that you now have a government, as we were talking about earlier on in the first half of the show, you now have a government that is trying to recast politics in the state to serve the interests of of voters who feel like it hasn't been working for them for a long time. 
That's what sovereignty and democracy means, what taking back control means. Mm. It means not just trade facilitation, yes or no, you know, extra customs officers, yes or no. It means all the other things attached to democracy. So the things like, for example, levelling up left behind areas, mm. extra spending in health and education, which you could have done, infrastructure Which investment. you could have done all within the EU as oh, well. Oh, but we didn't. Yeah, but that, that has no, nothing no, no. to do with the EU. Hang on, hang on. We didn't do it because we had a political class that had become divorced from the electorate and had uh, retreated into its relationship with other elites in Europe. Okay, okay. but, but, but so that had we nothing to do with being members of the EU. The it, fact that it, we didn't no, no. spend money in the North, it had ev- the fact that we let areas like that be, be uh, you know, have underspend and suffer for it had nothing to do with be, so it had being every- members of it, the it EU. It had everything to do with being members of the European Union, but not in the way that a lot of right-wing Eurosceptics think it had to do, as if there is this nanny state sitting in Brussels, which is tyrannising, um, you know, the rest of Europe and telling it do this and do that. That's not how the European Union works, and it isn't how sovereignty and democracy work curtailed within the European Union. It, the European Union operates on the basis of self-restraint of ruling classes in member states. They sign up to a set of rules that tie their hands and allow them not to be accountable to their own electorates. That is how European integration works. I accept that that is an unfamiliar understanding of European Union. People can read more about it on the full Brexit website. But that is how it works in practice. The European Commission employs fewer people than the BBC. The European Commission cannot tyrannise the peoples of Europe. It doesn't work like that. It's a form of self-restraint. It's a form of politics that allows elites not to listen to ordinary voters. And that's what's been disrupted through the Brexit vote. And and also, we, um, as a country and other countries in the EU, almost outsourced responsibility for poorer areas. So you had Objective 1 status, which was very fashionable when I was um, starting out in journalism, where uh, the EU would redistribute money to the poorest parts of Mm. Europe. Well, I mean, in a way, that's for our government to... Our government should be responding, there should be pressure on our government to spend money in areas of need... And it was Which almost we could outsourced. Still do. Yes, we could still do. But, but it was almost like about... it was almost like it was um, it was somebody else's responsibility. And but that, really, that's, that's the... only with the money that we were paying into the EU. Exactly. Which is, we which were is sending 1% money to Brussels of... for them to send back is... to us right. to spend in poor areas. Well, really, but, but we, we it's could for still... our government to do that. No, and... but hang on a minute. But we could still, but we could still spend money in the areas that needed it most. We chose Absolutely. not to. But it almost became. Um, uh, a, it, it just wasn't a factor anymore. It was it was somebody else's responsibility. Now, but that's a fault you, of our you, government, not of the oh, EU. Well, yeah, and as you were saying before about oh, it's going to be the civil service that are blamed instead of Europe. Well, actually, it won't be. It will be mm. the government of the day, whether that's Boris Johnson or whoever. There is there, there is nobody else to blame anymore. It's mm. our government who will be responsible for spending money on our poorer areas, do, do you, and they will be accountable for that. You want a strong civil service that is going to going to be confident. I'm clever, the best people, uh, best and brightest people recruited into it, and uh, that they uh, give their advice, and then uh, the minister has then got to decide on the basis of that advice where the balance of risk lies in taking policies forward. Uh, uh, what you don't want, of course, and this is obviously incredibly important in the whole training of the civil service, is the civil service deciding that um, they know best about what the right direction of policy is, and they're going to obstruct anything that goes against that. 
but, uh, a particular mindset. Okay, but here's my here's my problem with, with because I agree with what you say, and 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 I appreciate that this government is trying to do things differently and is trying to remove obstacles uh, seen uh, sometimes in the civil service of of people slowing things down and giving you too many reasons of why you can't do something rather than try and find reasons of how you can do something, and I appreciate that. But here's the here's where I start getting worried. Here's an example. Um, your uh, new Attorney General, Suella Braverman, in uh, a blog post for the Conservative Home, uh, she called the judiciary uh, judges a small number of unelected, unaccountable judges are now determining broad swathes of public policy. Prorogation and the triggering art, Article 50 were merely the latest examples of a chronic and steady encroachment by the judges. OK, that is a point of view. Uh, a, a lot of judiciary decisions did not go the way uh, the government was hoping to, especially in regards with prorogation and Article 50. But last well, week... There you had one lot of judges disagreeing with another lot of well, judges who were rather... More well, OK, but we, we go to the Supreme Court, and I'm afraid we're all going to have to agree that the Supreme Court has the final say, and they did have the final say. But, that's, but, the, that's the law. But OK. Mean, but the Court but, of but, Appeals, but three here, equally distinguished judges came to the opposite. OK, but here's where I want to get to. Uh, this week, we also had a big judiciary decision which affected the third runway at Heathrow, for example. Now... The third runway of Heathrow was also, if you like, the will of the people because Parliament had passed. Um, Absolutely. Now, here's where the judges came in and now has stopped the third runway for Heathrow, not permanently, but at least they've put a kibosh on it going ahead. Where is the outrage of judges preventing the will of Parliament this time? Because it seems to me that, again, Um, a little bit like the civil service, it's all very subjective. I'm telling you, here is the outrage. I'm outraged by it. Uh, (laughs) Well, um, you're the only one. No. Well, uh, uh, I tweeted out the consequences about this. Uh, It's one of the examples of bringing judicial review, I would say, is why it's now in question. The whole concept has been overplayed by a politically active judiciary. So I think Suella Braverman absolutely has a point about how far uh, the judiciary have now got into administration of politics. It is very easy. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
to find um, uh, some policy uh, with which a, a big issue like the third run at Heathrow is going to be in conflict. It is going to be very easy to find some consultation process that hasn't probably been carried out. And so if you've got a, a judge that uh, wants to take a particular view, frankly, he could have come to any view that he wanted to on that. He, uh, and if you've got um, then judges following rules terribly precisely and saying if there is anything at all wrong with this, it's not going to happen, then we're going to get very little done. How surprised have you been by uh, Sir Philip Rutnam at the Home Office, the manner in which he has stepped down, the interview that he gave yesterday, also making it clear in his statement that he has been offered uh, a settlement, which he refuses. He's determined to have his day in court. Is this worrying for the Home Secretary? Well, of course, I'm quite sure the Home Secretary is uh, uh, worried properly about it. I'd be worried about the the mental state of the ex-permanent secretary. I, I think it's the most extraordinary uh, way that he's, that he's behaved. I feel rather concerned for him because this doesn't seem a, a terribly... It, it seems a, uh, a, a very poor judgment on his part. It's a very poor example for the civil service. Uh, they're pretty much they've only been... Um, uh, I'm trying to think how long you know, since, since the election she's been... Uh, she has been in post trying to deliver a new immigration system, which is a huge challenge for. But, but, but would that? Ex uh, sorry to interrupt any, you. Any sorry to interrupt you. But would that excuse a behaviour uh, which, and I quote from uh, Sir Philip's speech, uh, swearing, belittling people, making unreasonable and repeated demands? I mean, in, no oh, matter yeah. which party oh, you're yeah. at, no matter what you're trying to deliver, oh, yeah. if that is true, is that acceptable? Um, it's not. Uh, politicians. Uh, operate under huge pressure. I, of course, have absolutely no idea at all um, uh, how uh, Pretty works in her department. All I know is that Pretty Patel, I know uh, in the House of Commons, who is a thoroughly determined individual, um, who is polite and courteous um, uh, to her colleagues. She's good fun to be with, um, and the uh, and. Sure. And I, I, I wasn't, I, with all due respect, I wasn't asking you for, for, for no, a, a, a character I'm reference for Priti Patel. Know. I'm telling you that I'm if those accusations are true, is that acceptable in your view? I'm telling you what I know about her. And if you said to me, um, Kristen, if you ever raise your voice or you swear, you're, um, that's, that's it, you're finished. Well, I'm, I'm afraid uh, my career in any of them wouldn't last very long. Now, if I, uh, and that's because I'm passionate about what I want to try and achieve, um, and uh, as is as is pretty, and if you uh, get too strong with people who are working for you, they're going to apologise if you've overdone it. Um, and you had Alastair Campbell talking about this, but but politics is full of people who are passionate and determined and want to deliver um, for the people. Uh, they represent, and God help us if they're not. This but, isn't something new. This is what every government that comes into power sure. has to face. But that, but the more that, radical the government, the more difficulties they're going to have with the civil service. No, I, I understand that. But do you not feel comforted by the fact that there is a balance from the civil service? No, the, no, really? absolutely not. not. Because, because, absolutely because I, not. I, I, the, the civil service is not a branch of government. It's not it, a branch of government. It's not about it, checks and balances between the executive and the civil service. It, it the isn't, civil service exists to enact you, the will of the government. But what if the will of the government is going to break aspects of society? It's going to break aspects of institutions. Doesn't the civil service have a duty of care no. to say, no. look, we can enact the, this, the civil but service here is, are the warnings. The civil, sure, the civil service's responsibility is to brief ministers to the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. And that might involve saying, 
Minister, this plan that you've got is going to cost this much money. We don't have sure. that resource. This is not practical. We don't have the, uh, enough uh, officials to deliver this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the minister decides. So officials advise, ministers decide. And do you have any case or any evidence where the minister decided, the civil service advised, and the civil service got their way over the minister? Well... I mean, this is a long-running battle, you know. Yes, yes, no, minister it, and yes, prime minister. Sure, but kind of do, you, do we have that evidence? That. Yeah, but that's all kind of very nicely. We talked about it earlier, yeah. and Sam mentioned exactly the same thing as we were chatting in the office. But you know, that's that's a script, and it's wonderfully anecdotal. And yes, it was a wonderful series. But I, I'd love to see some evidence where a minister really wanted to get something done, and the civil service absolutely nixed it and said, "I don't think you, I you think can't have it." Broadly speaking, it doesn't happen that way. Because well, then, then what's the problem? They resist, don't they? They put there's obstacles lots of, lots in the way. But I'd like people He'll to say... resist. I want people to... When, look, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But personally, personally <laughs> I thrive more when I have to fight for my ideas, when I have to fight with my producer saying, no, we will do the subject for X, Y and Z. The worst thing you can do is have a minister where everybody else around goes, yes, what, what else is your bidding master? I'll go and do it. Government is elected on a manifesto. The people elect ministers on that manifesto. The civil service have a duty to enact... That manifesto. But no, one's, but, but, but no one's no one's saying they're not in that. Again, I'm 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 looking for evidence where the the civil service didn't enact uh, wishes of a minister. What what they will do, and if you talk to any minister, former ministers particularly, are more open to chatting about this. They will say there are certain mechanisms for sure. putting obstacles in the of way, course, and, I can and they will how say it breaks. It will be. Um, you know, EU regulations, for example. Of course. It will well, be challenged in the I love the fact that you jumped on that one. So. But, 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 that's, but that's been traditionally, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because for 40 years, one of the reasons they um, can stymie things is by saying, well, there's EU regulations that will mm. prevent us from doing this. Or they will say, this will go to the courts, this will go to a judicial review. So th there are lots and lots of ways well, okay, of putting let, obstacles let's without actually saying we're not doing let's this. Let's look at something <laughs> specific. And, and we are speculating here, and this is this comes with a, a wide warning to, to, to listeners that we, we do not know the specifics of the case with Pretty Patel. But let's take the deportees that were put on a plane to be sent back to Jamaica. I'm sure there were some civil servants in the Home Office saying, you can't do this. I'm sure there was kickback. Um, to those civil servants saying, don't tell us what we can and cannot do. This is what we want to get done. Do it. But actually, the judiciary stepped in and said, you're violating these people's rights and certain people were taken off the plane. Now, is this reason for people to say, well, do away with the civil service? The civil service are getting in the way of no, what no, a no. minister I, wants to I think, do. I think, I think you, are, uh, you are misunderstanding where challenge is legitimate and not legitimate. So okay. it, it is perfectly fine for there to be political discussion about the direction of policy. So Good. the arguments and checks and all the rest of it, that happens in the political domain, and then we elect a government because the people have decided that the arguments on one side are better sure. than the other. Then there are checks and balances between the different branches of government. The executive, which is the ministers, yeah. parliament, legislature, and the judiciary. So if the judiciary says you can't deport these people because it's illegal, it's a breach of their human rights or whatever. That's the legitimate check and balance on mm. government. Civil service bureaucrats who are part of the executive checking another part of the executive is not a legitimate check and balance on governmental power. It's not how it's supposed to happen. Government, government bureaucrats are not meant to sabotage policy that they don't like. All signs are pointing towards 
the coronavirus spreading in the UK, why not act now to prevent the spread before waiting until it gets worse? That's what I don't understand. I think the sense is that the virus is now here and it will inevitably spread through the population and there's, there's, there's not very much the government can actually do to prevent that. If you think about all of the incredibly authoritarian measures that the Chinese government took, it was not able to contain the spread of the virus entirely. It did work its way through the entirety of Chinese society and internationally. I think there's a sense that it's in Europe, it will have to work its way through the population. And that, mm -hmm. so the question then is, uh, what do you do about that? Um, do you um, try to uh, contain it immediately? Or do you try to spread it out over a longer period to put to um, mitigate the pressure on the health system? And so I how, sorry, how would you do that? How do you sort of prolong it? Are you saying you're deliberately allowing people to get infected? Well, not you don't deliberate. So, but you just do very little to stop it. So, if if you were to try to take the measures that that you would really require to try and stop it spreading, then you would be closing down schools, you would be closing down workplaces, getting people to work from home, you would be banning public gatherings. All of this would have a, an enormous impact on everyday social and economic life. It would massively disrupt people's um, ability to uh, get food and to go to work and to, to have their kids in school and all this kind mm. of stuff. And, and you would have to do it for many months to really contain the disease. Mm. The moment that you, you took the lid off, if the disease is still circulating in the population, which it could well do, then it would just, uh, it would spread again. Right. Um, it, 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 once a disease is already circulating in a population, it's very difficult to contain it. So my suspicion is what the health experts are thinking is that if we can just, if we can smooth out the infection rate, um, try to contain it through, you know, um, modest changes to the way that we live on a day daily basis. You know, simple things like washing our hands is the most important thing you can do. 80% of diseases spread through your hands. Covering your mouth when you cough. You know, these are the most important things at the moment. These are relatively modest changes to the way that we live. People will get ill, mm -hmm. um, but we won't suffer the enormous social and economic costs. And the peak of the virus will probably pass later into the year through into the, the spring and the summer when the National Health Service is under less pressure. You know, it comes under massive pressure in the autumn and the winter um, and people will get better health care if the, if, the, if the life of the virus is spread out over the course of the year. So it may seem perverse, but, you know, for an individual, obviously they don't want to get it, but the government has to plan at the population level. They have to think about systems, they have to think about the impact on the economy, on society at large... And I think the way that they're handling at the moment is the, is the right way to go. I think people are getting a bit too panicked about this. At the moment, the systems are responding fairly robustly. And um, I think, you know, we have to... This is a serious disease, no doubt about that. But we shouldn't panic about it. And at the moment, I think sensible precautions will be enough to stop um, many people dying. <laughs> Thanks for downloading the podcast. A reminder, you can uh, listen to the show live on your radio every Sunday, 10am to 1pm.